welcome back to the simple sports podcast and welcome back once again to football week one is over week one is in the books how's everyone's fantasy teams your gambling how'd all that stuff go in week one i'm sure it got blown up just like mine did um so we're going to talk about it today week one in the nfl look i'm more excited that football is back than anything else but there are things to talk about um first of all we did go basically right down the middle well actually right down the middle 50 50 8 and 8 in our picks all 16 games we had a few that probably we could have walked away with a victory maybe could have finished like 10 and 4 if ball bounces uh, our way in a few of the games i know the bucks and the cowboys game obviously uh chris godwin if he doesn't fumble at the end of the game we probably cover that seven and a half points um so there's a few of those situations but by and large can't be too upset 50 percent 501 percentage eight and eight on the week not going to lose money that way but not really going to make any that way either so obviously we'll hope to get better throughout the year week one is just it's pretty much what it shook out to be in terms of our picks it's pretty much a toss-up you don't know what you're getting from some of these teams um we saw what happened with the saints and the packers we saw what happened with the titans and cardinals um, so we'll talk about all of that stuff here today. First, I want to start with the media and all these blowhards, um, the Colin Cowherds and, and the others who, you know, these guys are just trying to protect their picks, right? They're trying to be the first on some corner with their picks. And it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the hypocrisy of some of these analysts and radio guys and other shows and other podcasts and what they talk about and you can use the Packers and the Titans as an example uh both teams obviously didn't show up for the game um both teams struggled to move the ball offensively I think the Packers a little bit more so than the Titans did um both defenses got torched ultimately um early I thought the Titans were playing okay defensively and just were put in horrendous spots we'll talk about that in just a second but the hypocrisy comes in as one team is still seen as a contender and it was just a bad day at the office for Aaron Rodgers and everyone else. And the other, the Titans, are seen as a bad football team, which just doesn't make any sense. You know, fair enough, one team has Aaron Rodgers, depending on what you think of him, but he didn't look necessarily better uh, than Ryan Tannehill after one game. And since one game is how we're deciding this, apparently, um, I'm not sure how we arrived at such a varying conclusion what i saw was sloppy football across the entire league to be honest uh, i don't put too much into the first week or two of the nfl season i just don't there's always injuries there there have already been team altering injuries um there's already been surprises and upsets in the first week we saw rookies play like rookies we saw vets play like rookies we saw roller coaster games like the ravens and raiders we saw no contests like the saints and the packers we saw poor coaching and poor preparation poor in-game decisions from all sorts of teams all sorts of players all across the league the only games that really matter to me are i would say first the division games in week one like the jags texans even though big picture wise we we recognize those teams aren't very good uh, but games like those right where you're already in week one playing against the division um, and then games within the conference like uh, the Chiefs and the Browns that, you know, towards the end of the season could determine seeding. Um, so all that said, stuff did happen in week one, and we're going to talk about it. So let's get into it.
All right, so we'll start with the Titans versus the Cardinals and just get it out the way, get the pain out of the way. Um, so the first play of the game for me told me this game was over. Uh, Titans run it on first down, and Derrick Henry gets stopped in the backfield for a loss of two or three yards. And, and by the way, the first three drives, per usual, all runs on first down, uh, behind the chains on both of the first two drives, and then I believe the third drive, First down and 10, they run the ball. Derrick Henry finally gets a hole for about eight yards. And you can start to get something going there, second and short. Uh, maybe you can, you know, take a shot. You can run it again. There's a whole lot of options. But that play gets called back on a personal foul by Julio Jones. And it was just downhill from there, honestly. Um, the Cardinals, their first drive starts off with back-to-back -back penalties. They fall behind second and 17, and then they get 20 yards to A.J. Green. Not good for the Titans defense. Ultimately, I think the Cardinals had four or five penalties on that first drive. They also had to use a timeout on the first drive. Um, and they finally get down into the goal area, second and I believe it was like second and 20, second and 25 or something like that, uh, or, or second and goal from the 25. And they had to hold them to a field goal, the field goal the Titans did, and they did, um, three nothing. And then the Titans come out on the second drive and fumble the ball. Um, way, I think they got it on the six-yard line and go up 10-0, a great catch from DeAndre Hopkins in the back of the end zone. Cardinals forced to burn two timeouts early in the first quarter. Poor coaching, poor preparation, like I was mentioning in the opening monologue. Um, and again, once they go up 10-0, it's, it's downhill from there. I, again, the first couple of drives, I thought the Titans were okay on defense. They showed a pass rush. And you just saw Kyler Murray make an excellent play and find um, Hopkins in the back of the end zone. Um, they looked awful on offense, um, but I was actually impressed given the circumstances with the defense. Um, Titans had one positive play of about their first 12 or 15, which was the Derrick Henry run that got called back. So even that play was basically a negative. They get desperate early and run a fake punt. Um, and while they do convert for the first, you just see the desperation. It's all, I mean, it's the first quarter of the first game of the season. And we're running fake punts uh, to try to, to to try to stay in the game. That's, that's never a good sign. Taylor Lewan gave up three sacks in the first quarter, including the fumble, five overall to Chandler Jones. And he got destroyed by Buda Baker. Um, that's not a good sign. And it was never really that close. Um, Titans finally responded in mid-second quarter, but it was, it was just too late at that point. Defense had been on the field for far too long already. And you don't score at the end of the half to at least try to stop the bleeding, even though the Cardinals get the ball back to start the second half. Uh, if you go down and get a touchdown there, you're still in the game. You get a stop coming out of the second half, and who knows what happens from that point. I thought the defense looked improved early on in the game. Uh, but you can't keep them on the field as long as they were. You can't keep turning the ball over. You can't keep giving the Cardinals multiple short fields due to sacks and stops on defense that led to punts and then ultimately the two fumbles, one of which was on your own six-yard line, um, basically giving the Cardinals a walk-in touchdown. So uh, not a good first outing for the Titans. Um, impressive by the Cardinals. I'm not off the Titans, but there were certainly some things there that I didn't like. They didn't look like a team that was unprepared 
for week one, they looked like a bad team, and there's a difference. Um, the Saints and the Packers, I think the Packers just looked unprepared, um, not engaged. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe some other teams, but right off, the Titans didn't look like a team that was unprepared. They just looked like a bad team. They looked like the team before uh, Marcus Mariota had his job taken by Ryan Tannehill when they started the season two and four that year. Um, so we'll see how things shake out in week two. I'm not, I am uh, concerned, not worried, or worried, not concerned, whichever one is, I guess, the more quote-unquote dangerous one. I don't necessarily know, but I think you sort of get the point. There were a lot of things that I didn't like, but ultimately I think – Listen, next week at Seattle, obviously not the ideal situation, even if you had won this game. But now you're 0-1 and going to Seattle, who looked incredible against the Colts. You start season 0-2, and you, you just don't want to put yourself in that kind of hole, even with another 15 games ago. Already being down um, 0-2 is just not good. So we'll see how they bounce back in week two. Not, not so good in week one. Uh, back to the Thursday night game really quick. I do want to talk about that because we didn't do another episode before then Bucks versus Cowboys. They actually look like the two sharpest teams of any across the league for the most part. Um, all things considered, there were some drop passes that led to, uh, interceptions. I think Fournette had one. I think Godwin had the other, some fumbles by Godwin. Um, Dag made a couple of plays. He also had a pass that was dropped by CD Lamb that ended up turning into an interception. So I think by and large, they look like the two best teams. Con you know, again, all things considered, all 16 games taken into account. What really stuck out early in that game and what stuck out the most was either the Cowboys chose to throw it as many times as they did. Um just on game plan um you know they went into it or they adjusted mid-game because they didn't feel they could run the football because zeke was basically non-existent he had a few carries he was great in pass pickup but that's not why he gets paid 50 million dollars um he was just out of the game plan early and it was odd because you see that a lot with teams right you saw it with titans and cardinals derrick henry i mean you start the game down 17 nothing or 17 three whatever it was and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Derrick Henry doesn't offer much in the pass game. Maybe he can catch a screen or two. And Zeke is not much different. He doesn't offer what, say, a Christian McCaffrey offers in the pass game. And so you you just can't you can't do it for the entire game when you're down. But the Cowboys weren't down to that uh, to that same level. Um, so it was odd to see them just totally abandon the run game. Now, maybe you don't want to run because it's the Bucks and they have a pretty good rush defense. That's, you know, understandable. But still, I found it odd that they just totally abandon the run game. They opened the drive or excuse me, opening. They opened the game. The Cowboys did. Uh, and it looked pretty good on the first couple of plays. You know, it's scripted. So that's that is what it is. Um, but as typical, they shoot themselves in the foot. Dak has a bad pass, uh, followed by a drop by CeeDee Lamb. You get a false start on the next play, and that takes you out of field goal position. Uh, and so that forces a punt. Immediately, the Bucks go down 94, 95 yards for a touchdown. Tom Brady makes two great throws, one dime that he threw right behind Parsons' ear. The other one he dropped into A.B., and that's how the Cow or the Bucks take the lead. And the Cowboys answer with a drive to – 
uh, C.D. Lamb. And so, again, I don't understand the reason to abandon the run game so early, especially it's one thing we saw this with the Bills and the Steelers. It's one thing we have like a quarterback. You just got him paid. You want to kind of showcase him. That's that's fine. Dak also just got paid in the summer. But Dak is coming off a major injury, two major injuries, two surgeries on the ankle. Then we had the shoulder mystery um, slash lat, whatever that actually was. So I found it odd that they threw the ball as much as they did with the quarterback who, A, basically hasn't played in a year, and B, um, is coming off not only the ankle injury but the shoulder injury. I, th I thought that was weird. Um, still, it's a tie game at the start of the second quarter, um, and the Cowboys run it on third and three with Tony Pollard from their own 12-yard line. Don't get that. If, if you're going to throw the ball 60 times a game, why are you – running it on third and three from your own 12-yard line. That just seems like bad play calling to me. Um, later in the game, they have a similar situation on third and short. Um, they settle for a field goal because they call an option play. Um, and again, I don't know why you're not throwing it. You've been throwing it all game at this point. Okay, fine. I don't think you should be throwing it as much as you are, but you have clearly committed to that that game plan for the game why not throw it in throwing situations third and three you could run it but considering you're on your own 12 you know seems odd um and then the other one the option play i believe is maybe like third and two third and three something like that again third and short and you run an option just doesn't seem like the best play calling so um the bucks i think would have covered if not for the godwin fumble we saw tom brady march down the field for the game-winning score they were marching when Godwin fumbled. That would have put them up, I believe, maybe 11 points or 12 points, whatever it would have been, enough to cover the seven and a half. But you get the Godwin fumble, Cowboys go down and get a field goal, Bucks come back down and answer, and that's the ball game. I thought these two teams looked the best just in terms of sharpness, not necessarily saying that they're the best teams, um, but in terms of being sharp for week one, uh, I thought those were the two clear-cut winners. Um, the other game that I picked, um, one of the sleepers, Broncos versus Giants. Look, I had hope for the Giants. Um, I do like them defensively. I think they have a pretty good defense. I like some of their weapons, although they don't really have a wide receiver number one. All of their guys are pretty competent. They can run out the catch. Slayton is pretty good. Uh, Shepard, pretty good. And obviously they have Saquon Barkley. But the offensive line, still struggling. Um, that should have been expected. Uh, Daniel Jones still looks like the same Daniel Jones for the most part. Um, still fumbled the football. Uh, I had higher hopes for the Giants based on the offseason stories and the buying into the coach. I thought, hopefully, um, that Daniel Jones would take a little bit of a step forward, but I don't think, based on one game, that that is the case. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate because I said this not last year, but the year before, that the Giants are just wasting Saquon Barkley. Not that Saquon Barkley is like this um, transcendent all-time running back. I do think he's really good, but the fact remains he is one of the better talents at the position in the league, and it is unfortunate that on one hand they can't block for him, and two, you don't have a quarterback that could help lift the top off the defense for you by moving the ball through the air. They just don't have that and I don't think it's going to fare well for Barkley in the long run. Um, the Broncos side, uh, look, they don't look like world beaters with Teddy Bridgewater, but they are an all-around good team. They do have a good defense, and Teddy Bridgewater is a competent veteran. 
Um, they should handle bad to average teams pretty easily all season, but I can't see them beating any of the contenders, certainly not on a regular basis. Um, particularly the one that matters the most in their own division, which is the Chiefs. So I think the Broncos are going to be a decent team, maybe 500, slightly above 500, but that's about it. I'm not out totally on the Giants just yet, but it's pretty close to being out. Um, so uh, a few other games that took place, Jags versus Texans. Um, we're, we're not going to go through as much detail on all these. I just want to hit a few of the highlights on some of these other games. Um so, Jaguars versus Texans. Look, Trevor Lawrence threw some rookie passes. Um, he threw one pick that was back across his body, running in the opposite direction, opposite to his right arm, uh, no less. And so, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to make rookie mistakes. Jaguars, as a team, look sloppy on both sides of the ball. Um, down 14 points early to the Texans, who are just, I mean, they're not good either. So, that tells you how down bad the Jaguars are. Um, two not very good teams, one really not good one with the Jaguars. Lawrence threw it 51 times in his debut. Seems a bit excessive for anyone to throw it, um, unless you just have to. Especially excessive for a rookie, regardless of how great you may think he is. Um, and I think this was a theme that we saw in the first week. Coaches and, and organizations are eager to try and show off and feature certain guys, even when it's against, against what's best for the team. We saw it with the Jaguars. Lawrence, there's no way he should be throwing the ball 51 times. There's no way Dak should be throwing it. I think he threw it 58 times. Same thing with Josh Allen. Just got a big contract. The Steelers, the one thing they did, the one thing that they do very, very well is rush the passer, and you drop Josh Allen back 61 times. It's just not a good formula for winning games. Now, look, I'm no coach. I'm no scout. But I feel like some of these things should be fairly common sense. And evidently, they aren't. Um, so, oh, back to Lawrence, though. Um, ultimately, you saw he was sporadic, right? Again, first game, first rookie, uh, or first rookie performance. It's against a bad team. Um, and so, there are other things that he did that make me scratch my head, especially considering he's going against such a bad team. But... When you're on such a bad team yourself, it's hard to hold some of those things against them. Um, and then, like I said, he is a rookie, so there's that that piece of it. Uh, we'll see more from Trevor Lawrence as the year goes on, but not an impressive debut. It was just kind of meh, to be honest. Um, the Bills and Steelers. Steelers take that one. A classic example of what I was talking about, by the way. Again, Josh Allen threw the ball 51 times. I don't understand why. Uh, Singletary is giving you six and a half yards a carry. I don't know why you put your team in that situation, especially against one of the best pass rush teams in the NFL. Um, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, sure, there were some drops and, and, and you know, missed passes and things of that nature, but you see them run a flea flicker early on the game on third and one. Like, I don't understand why you're again, you're getting six and a half a clip from Singletary. You also have Josh Allen. You could run a quarterback draw for or sneak or what have you. Why a flea flicker on third down? And now you ultimately have to punt the football. To me, that's a sign of a coach. Um, maybe it's the coordinator. Maybe it's the head coach, whoever is making that call, but someone's making the call to, make sure that Josh Allen is the showcase instead of trying to win the football game. I, call, color me 
uh, surprised and colored me shocked that a team is running a flea flicker on third and one. Um, again, doesn't doesn't seem reasonable to me. I, I don't get that. Uh, to the Steelers side, Big Ben still can't or won't push the ball down the field. We saw that they were still unable to run the football. I think Najee Harris had um, something like 15 carries for 45 yards. I don't remember exactly, but it wasn't great. I said before the draft that drafting Najee Harris is great. Um, it's same thing for the for the Giants when they drafted Saquon Barkley. That's all fine and well, but you need an offensive line to make use of that pick. And the Giants didn't have it. They still don't. And the, the Steelers. That's great. You draft Najee Harris, but you have to be able to block and open holes for the guy. Um, and, you know, that they're just not doing it. Um, and then Big Ben, again, not pushing the ball down the field. There was a third and four. He missed a wide open guy. Um, some of that's rust. Some of it, you know, it's week one stuff. And I get that. Um, but there are points where you see things that aren't changed from prior years and his inability to push the ball down the field. Uh, is certainly one of them. Uh, 49ers and Lions. Uh, so the Lions, or excuse me, the Niners, um, they did their best to give that game away, although ultimately and obviously they were the better team than the Lions, and you didn't really think they were going to lose it, but they were certainly trying to. Um, I thought Jared Goff looked okay given what he's working with offensively, but otherwise unimpressive. He did throw a pick six that was just a flat bad decision. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I want to say it may be cover two. And he just basically fit it right into the linebacker. Bad mistake. I don't remember the exact coverage and play, but I do remember there were two or three guys sitting exactly where he threw it. And it wasn't like he turned to throw it. It's just, it was just a bad decision. Um, so uh, unimpressive, um, pretty mad. He is with the Lions, So probably going to be, um, NFL Siberia for the foreseeable future. The Niners lose Mostert. We saw them get ravaged by injuries last year. Well, they start the year off by losing Raheem Mostert. It's probably going to be out six to eight weeks. Um, so hopefully this year they're not plagued by injuries across the roster again. Um, but this game was uh, about the only sure thing that I knew of going into week one. And so no surprise of the outcome. Uh, let's see. Jets versus Panthers. Pretty uneventful overall. Um, obviously two not so great teams. I was impressed by Zach Wilson. Um, I was impressed by him in the off season or in the preseason, I should say his arm is it's, it's lively. Um, he can make the throws. Uh, I, I certainly don't think the Jets made a mistake moving on from San Darnold based on just that one game. Uh, you know, we'll see long term, but I didn't see a better quarterback on the other side with the Panthers. I just saw a quarterback who was in a better situation. He just happened to be the old quarterback of the Jets, obviously. Um, the Panthers aren't very good. They're not great. Um, you know, they're, they're a decent, I'd say average team, but they also have an average quarterback. And so even within that game with the Jets, um, I feel like that's a game that should probably I think most teams versus the Jets would – most good teams versus the Jets would make that a bigger margin. Um, I was not impressed with Darnold. Again, one game, uh, the Panthers were less than impressive. Darnold was less than impressive, although, again, they got the win. Um, the Panthers are bad. They're, they're just not as bad as the Jets, and that's really what it boiled down to. 
Zach Wilson uh, with some tender, loving care and polishing up a few things um, in his mechanics and, and things like that is going to be just what the Jets have been looking for for quite some time. But the offensive line was already in question. They've already lost guys on the offensive line this year, so that's going to be an issue. Um, so I hope they get it right in the end. Um, but I think they found the, the right talent. They just got to cultivate it and protect it. So, um, Chargers versus Washington. Uh, so, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down, unfortunately, for the Washington football team. Um, and I think they should be front runners to land Cam Newton now that he's a free agent and Fitz is going to be gone for a while. Um, listen, do you think Cam Newton is better than Ryan Fitzpatrick? At, at worst, they're a push, right? At worst. Even though I think, obviously, Cam Newton is better. You could say, you know, based on recent results, he's no better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, fine. So, at worst, is a push. But is he better than Taylor Heineke? Probably. Um, and Fitz is gone for six or eight weeks or so. And him returning isn't like the return of a Patrick Mahomes or Brady. It's not like I could understand the Chiefs. If Mahomes was out for eight weeks, them not signing Cam Newton because they have a legitimate backup. Um, that that makes sense. But for the Washington football team, they don't. Um, and so I, I think they should be first in line to sign Cam Newton and ASAP. Um, on the Chargers side, look, there's really only one thing to talk about, and that's Justin Herbert. He can really spin the football. Um, I think with another draft, uh, maybe a trade or two or some free agents here or there. The Chargers can be a real problem. I don't think they're going to be a huge problem this year. Um, I think they're going to be a really good team. They're going to win a lot more games than they won last year. But I think ultimately they're still missing some pieces on both sides of the ball to make them a true contender. They're certainly not contending for the division, I don't think. Um, so could they contend for a wild card spot? Sure. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be a real problem for anyone at the end of the year until they get a couple of different pieces. But the quarterback they got can really spin the football. Uh, Falcons versus Eagles. Uh, this was one of the other surprises. Um, obviously, the Falcons, a lot of people actually thought they might give the Bucks a little bit of a challenge for the division. I certainly don't think so, although, although I do think they could maybe challenge for a wild card spot. After the first week, that did not look good. Now, again, it is week one. They do have a new head coach, the guy that left Tennessee, Arthur Smith. Um, so, again, I'm willing to, uh, to be patient with all these teams um, on all this stuff. Um, but <clears throat> to, to my opening monologue about the hypocrisy of analysts and radio shows and so forth. So the Titans lose Arthur Smith as offensive coordinator. He goes to the Falcons as head coach. Um, and Arthur Smith didn't exactly dazzle in his debut, right? Um, the Falcons scored six points. But meanwhile, people are crushing the Titans right now. And rightfully so. Again, um, they didn't show up, but they have a new coordinator um, and it's just funny to see how people are, they were so impressed. They, they emphasize so much the loss of Arthur Smith 
but they don't talk about how poorly he performed as a head coach in his debut. I just think it's funny to hear all the hypocrisy. I don't know. Maybe it's just because most people don't necessarily care about the Titans. I just find the the way the narrative is spun on all sides to be to be so intriguing. Um, Jalen Hurts, look, he missed a few throws, but he made a few that were really impressive. Much like Lamar Jackson, we all know what has been the Achilles heel of Jalen Hurts, which is um, his ability to make passes, particularly in critical down and distance situations or when you're trailing. They weren't trailing against the Falcons. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked like an improved passer, especially when the reads are available. There were a lot of check downs and a lot of dump offs. I think their first two or three plays that he threw the football were all screens, which I don't have a problem with necessarily. I think it's good to get your quarterbacks just some easy completions just to to build a rhythm. Uh, But they know that uh, he's not at least going to be careless with the football. I think that was one thing to take away from all of those check downs and dump offs. There were a lot of passes to the running backs underneath two crossers and, and things of that nature. I think it's it's good to know if you're an Eagles fan that he's not going to risk turning the football over. Um, so that's good. The question is, is he going to be able to dissect and, and, and spray the football all over the yard when they aren't up by 20 points on a bad football team? Um, Matt Ryan for the Falcons. I said it before, the walking dead. There were a few times where... He had a chance to step up uh, through the pocket, and he was just slow to the punch. Uh, He took two or three sacks at least that I thought he could have stepped up or stepped out, stepped around the rush and either gotten rid of the ball, maybe scrambled for a couple yards. In any event, I think there were a few situations that presented themselves to, um, to avoid the sack, but we didn't see him do so. So my, my sentiments on the walking dead, uh, for the Falcons has not changed. Oddly enough, they film a walking dead in Atlanta. So there you go. Uh, Ravens and the Raiders, certainly the most up and down game that we saw. Complete roller coaster. Ravens couldn't protect Lamar Jackson. Um, Max Crosby and the like were all over him all night, either creating pressure, getting him to the ground, or forcing him out of the pocket. Um, We saw him get loose a couple of times running, but I think most teams, if they can ultimately corral him in those situations, even if you give up a 20 or 30 yard run, I think you would take the occasional one of those instead of flushing out a Patrick Mahomes, making him roll left or roll right and him extending the play through the air. I think that's something that Lamar Jackson hasn't done. Usually, once he gets flushed out of the pocket, he's looking to run. We did see the one impressive escape um, down on the in the red zone. He shook like two or three guys and threw it to, I believe, Hollywood Brown in the back of the end zone. But by and large, once you move him off the spot, he's looking to get out of there. Um, and the Raiders did a good job of creating pressure. Lamar Jackson still spraying the ball all over the place, outside of the boundaries. Inside the numbers, he still missed a few. I think he missed Mark Andrews, although it was a tough, tough window to fit it in. He did miss Mark Andrews on the touchdown. Um, And then Lamar Jackson um, finally took some shots. Um, We haven't seen him take a bunch of big hits, but he took a few uh, against the Raiders. He fumbled twice trying to make plays and, and scrambling due to the pressure. Um, that's something you got to keep an eye out for. He did have one nasty fall where he fell in his head. You obviously don't want too many of those happening. 
Um, so we'll see how he improves throughout the year. Yes, there are a lot of injuries to specifically running backs for the Ravens, but they were still able to run the football fairly well um, overall. So we'll see if, if Jackson improves passing the football, but that's going to be the key is he's got to improve as a passer. I know we said it till we're all blue in the face, but the fact still remains. Um, defensively, the Ravens blitzed all night and they created very little pressure on Derek Carr. They did make a move a few times, but Derek Carr is decent. Um, I mean, he's not a runner, obviously, but he's a mobile guy, um, probably like a Ryan Tannehill level where you're not, obviously not worried about him running like a Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray, but he's not immobile to the point where he can't get out of the pocket and either scramble for a first down or make a throw on the run. Um, so the blitzing all night just created one-on-one matchups. We saw that that's how they ended the game. They go zero bomb blitz at the end. They don't create pressure. Um, the corner, I believe it was the corner coming off the edge, gets picked up enough by the running back to buy Carr some time to fade back and throw the ball to Zay Jones. It just wasn't there. Um, and when you have when you're going to have that approach, you need the DBs on the back end that are able to cover. And Marcus Peters is out. Jimmy Smith is out. So you're back there with just Marlon Humphreys and a bunch of new guys. And you saw the results. So I thought Derek Carr played well. He did what was required anyway. Um, not exactly overly impressive, but, you know, um, all, all around a good week. And I think John Gruden held off any heat through the first week of the season. Um and then the last few games, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on them, but I do want to hit them really quick. Vikings versus the Bengals. Impressed by Joe Burrow. I picked that game. That was one of my best picks of the week. Not impressed, obviously, with Kirk Cousins. I've never been. Vikings should be an average to above average team, um, but you can't be that if you're losing at home to the Bengals, um, who, while they finally have their franchise quarterback, are not a very good team. Even in week one, where you get all sorts of surprises, you could still tell that they're just not that that good. And so I think that's bad news for the Vikings. Um, Seahawks versus Colts. Um, you know, Russell Wilson, impressive. Carson Wentz, not so much. Unable to run the football, unable to protect. Um, all sorts of issues for the Colts, which doesn't necessarily bother me as a Titans fan. Uh, Bears versus Rams. The only thing I can say about this, there's two things I took away from this game. One, the Rams clearly made the right choice in upgrading from Jared Goff to Matt Stafford. And two, it is you might as well put Andy Dalton on the bench and go with Justin Fields. I said in the last episode that I wasn't opposed to Andy Dalton being the starter. He is a veteran. He was brought there to do just that. And the the drafting of Justin Fields was unexpected until it happened. And so I don't necessarily have a problem with Andy Dalton being the starter on day one. But the fact is, we saw what it looked like. And I think at this point, it's best to just go with Justin Fields and cross your fingers. Um, I think, I don't know if you cut Andy Dalton, maybe you trade him to like a Washington, if that's a, a, a possibility, someone like that. Um, but I don't think you're going to be able to keep Fields on the bench uh, for long. We already saw the boost rain down uh, in game one versus the Rams. I just think it's going to get worse as time goes on. Um, next week, they do have the Bengals, so maybe that's a game that Dalton can go in and win, but I think that's the best time to just go ahead and, and give the reins to 
Justin Fields because the rest of the schedule coming up is going to be pretty tough. Uh, Dolphins versus Patriots, pretty uneventful game here. Um, Patriots probably should have won this game. I think if Cam Newton is the starter, they do win this game. Mac Jones made some obviously uh, boneheaded rookie mistakes to be expected because he is a rookie. It's his first game. I did think the Patriots would ultimately win this game because I don't believe in Tua. And while they didn't win, I do think the the concept or the idea that Tua isn't the guy was was born out at least through one game. Um, he was also pretty uh, erratic in not only his decision but in his throws. Um, and they only scored 17 points, albeit against a Patriots defense that's pretty good, but they are missing a few key elements or a few key players, mainly Stephon Gilmore. Uh, not impressed with the Dolphins. A lot of people had them as a sleeper to potentially win the division, certainly to make the playoffs. I am not there because I do not believe in Tua. Uh, and then finally, uh, Packers versus Saints. Not a whole lot to talk about here. Packers simply didn't show up. Aaron Rodgers didn't show up, made some very uncharacteristic throws, the two picks. Um, and then all the excuse making after the game, Pat McAfee show, just excuse after excuse. I wrote about it. I said, if you're going for this guy, if you're going to trade for him, or if you're going to try to wait until he's a free agent and sign him, just beware of what you're getting um, in an Aaron Rodgers clearly one of the best arm talents to ever play the game not so sure he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game um so yeah week one eventful interesting i thought the games for the most part entertaining but sloppy to be expected these guys aren't playing in the preseason mostly um these guys are sitting out all preseason and then just jumping right into the fire so i do think the additional 17th game is um, good because it just creates a little less urgency in the first couple of weeks. So if you do start off 0-1, 1-2, 1-3, uh, something like that, I think having all those games on the back end with the ability to catch up is a big deal. So I'm not concerned. Of all the games that took place um, – there were again there were a few concerns for a few different teams and a few different individual players but by and large i don't i don't think too much of what we saw in week 1 um the again the most important thing i think were divisional games and and in conference games so like you saw the dolphins versus patriots that's a huge deal because obviously they're within the division so you're wondering about uh, if maybe they could contend for the title, you certainly obviously have to win that game. If you're the Patriots um, and you want to contend for the title, you have a division of game to open the season. You don't want to lose that. Um, you also have teams like, uh, let's look at um, maybe the Ravens and the Raiders, two teams that may be competing for a wild card spot towards the end of the year. That's a game that you want to look at because that could be a potential tiebreaker um and that's just you know you you want that on your side um you want that in your back pocket um Steelers get a, a big win on the road versus the Bills if you do believe that the division the AFC East is up for grabs um that's a that's a huge deal if you're a Dolphin or Patriots fan or if you're a Bills fan 
uh, or excuse me, a Steelers fan, that could be huge for you as well. The Browns lost, the Ravens lost. You're already 1-0 against an AFC team. Maybe you could sneak in and steal the AFC North. So unless, you know, AFC versus NFC teams, um, Titans, Cardinals, other than the record, doesn't do anything for me because you're not losing anything within the conference or within the division. Um, same thing for, like, the uh, – the who else? Who's the other team? Um the Chargers and Washington, AFC versus NFC. Sure, you got two teams competing for wild card spots, potentially. Washington may be competing for their title. Um, but in terms of just early on season um, impact, doesn't really do anything. Uh, so, interesting first week. 50-50 uh, on the gambling, not too bad. I do, however, want to give quickly my picks for next week, for week two. Uh, so Giants at Washington, we'll talk about that towards the end here quickly. Um, uh, I have the Giants plus three and a half. I'm just going to rattle off these really quick because we'll do another episode before Sunday and go over some of these games. So really quick, my picks for week two. Uh, I got Giants plus three and a half at Washington. Raiders plus five and a half at the Steelers. I got the Bills minus three and a half at Dolphins. Saints three and a half at the Panther Panthers. The Bears uh two and a half versus the Bengals Browns minus 12 and a half versus the Texans those two I don't like honestly uh minus 12 and a half any any point spread that's that big in the NFL I typically don't like there's three of them this week um and at least one is bound to cover so I'm going to go with the Lions to cover at 11 and a half at the Packers based on what I saw in week one not happening um the Browns or excuse me the Broncos minus six at the Jaguars uh, Rams minus 30 or excuse, minus 35 minus 3.5 at the Colts uh, Jets plus six at the Patriots Eagles plus three and a half versus the Niners Cardinals minus four and a half at the Vikings Bucks minus 12 and a half versus the Falcons Chargers minus two and a half versus the Cowboys Seahawks minus five versus the Titans yes I'm picking against the Titans because I did not like what I saw uh, in week one and then the Chiefs versus the Ravens, uh, Chiefs minus three and a half at the Ravens. So those are my picks at a high level. We'll go over them a little bit later uh, in the week, but I do want to spend a few moments talking about uh, the Thursday night game. All right, so week one, my heartfelt pick of the Giants obviously was a mistake. Um, I, It was known going in, but I was just hoping for better from Daniel Jones, obviously. We didn't get that um, through one game. He looks no better than before. Still fumbling, still making bad decisions, still missing passes. Um, so doesn't look much better. The Giants saving grace for at least for week two is that they're already going up against a backup quarterback. So they at least have continuity within the roster on their side. That's about the only advantage I see. Um, really what you have here is two bad teams, uh, one with a great defense and one with a really good one. I like the Giants to win an ugly one, barely over Washington, mainly because while Daniel Jones isn't uh, a great quarterback, he's better than Heineke or uh, I would even say Fitzpatrick, depending on if, well, he's not obviously not playing, but if he were to play, it would at least be a push there. Uh, I think he's still better than Heineke. So I like the Giants to win an ugly one. Um, and I like the under on the game. I believe it's 40. It might just be 40 points, 44. 
I know it's in the low 40s. I like the under with two bad offenses and two great defenses. That just that spells under to me, especially on a solo stage. Usually those teams don't do well. Um, for the Thursday night showdown for DraftKings, captain's pick, depending on who you think will win, I'd suggest that team's defense as captain. It's probably going to be a low-scoring game, and each team's probably going to force a turnover or two. You're probably looking at like a – a uh, 13 to 17 game, something like that, maybe like 20 to, to 14 or 20 to 17, somewhere in that neighborhood, um, if if it gets that high. Um, so due to poor quarterback play and each team probably forcing a turnover or two, I think you go with the defense as your captain. Otherwise, if you're looking for an individual player, I think Gibson is a good choice, as is Saquon Barkley, because we both know they're going to see a lot of touches. I also like McLaurin as a potential captain's pick, um, although I don't think they're going to throw the ball a ton with Heineke. We saw that last year in the playoffs versus the Bucks. Um, but you, in a situation like this, you got to go with guys that are going to get the most volume, and I just think it's going to be running backs, maybe the top receiver for each team. So you could look at McLaurin. You could look at a guy like either Slayton or Shepard, um, but I think your your best bet um, would be either Gibson or Barkley or one of the two defenses. Um, you could even play both defenses. If you're going to go that route, I'd probably go with the Washington defense as the captain. I'd then take the, the Giants defense as well, uh, and then maybe like Barkley, Gibson, and then you need two other guys uh, to fill out the roster. So maybe you can go with the quarterbacks or something like that. But I expect a low-scoring game. I expect this one to hit the under. But those are your picks for captain. Those are briefly your picks for week two. That's your recap of week one. Again, gambling-wise, not so bad. I'll take 50-50 to start. Um, from here, obviously, we want to get a little bit higher. But the more we see, the easier it will be, the more clear uh, it will be to, to make these picks in the future. So with that, I think that's it for this episode. It's been a fun one. Um, we'll be back probably on Saturday, maybe Friday, to talk about week two's games in a little bit more detail. And this time, we will have more detail on the, the daily fantasy stuff. So until next time, I will see you guys. Peace.